are in the third week of a series from, we call it the book of First and Second Peter, they're really letters that Peter writes to the early church. Now, in case you may be aware, you may not, Peter's story is one we actually talk about often because it relates to the very name we have, Allshores. We use it and see it as an example, even though he's an individual, that it's a story of all of us in a sense. In case you don't know, Peter is one of the 12 disciples that followed Jesus, that went around with him. He's one of the three kind of in the inner circle that Jesus really gave extra time to and development for. Peter's also the one that has really big highs and really big lows. In fact, at his lowest point, when Jesus is most suffering and in need, Peter denies him not once, not twice, but three times. After Jesus' resurrection, Peter is so disheartened dismayed by his own betrayal, he ends up back at his old job, fishing on the Sea of Galilee. It's in that place of greatest despair on the shore of his failure that Jesus meets him. He meets him and restores him, which is a beautiful picture, but it's not the end of the picture. Not only does he restore him to Jesus, to himself, and remind him that he loves him and he's in relationship with him, but he says, I've got a vision for your life. You will be part of changing the world. Now make no mistake, it's the same thing Jesus does for us. He meets us in our despair and our brokenness and doesn't simply restore us, invites us to be part of changing the world. That's the author that we're looking at today. And so as we look at this together, what I want to remind you of in this is very simply that Peter's writing to the church that's scattered all throughout Asia Minor, all throughout Turkey, Israel. He's basically writing to these individuals that have discovered Jesus, but they're a bit disheartened and alone and confused. And so as we look at it today, before we even get into it, I want to remind you that Peter will basically be highlighting one idea, one word that will come again and again and again. And I want to just kind of give you this picture that oftentimes, and the way we want it to be with Scripture, is when we read something, if there's other places in Scripture that it's spoken of, it's like Velcro. You pick it up and see what else is meant by this. So we don't just look at an individual passage, but how is it? And Peter does that today. And and you will understand this, because the word we're going to use is stones. If I said stones to you, I bet different things would come to mind. Some of you who've had a painful history would go, kidney stones, not a good memory. Some of you who have great histories of rock might say, the Rolling Stones. See, you guys were there, weren't you with me already? For me, I went there, and I actually went one step further to John Mulaney. Now, in case you don't know who John Mulaney is, he's a young comedian, but he tells the story of meeting Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger was coming to be a uh, guest on SNL, and John's job was to write jokes for him. So he'd written a joke for Mick. He brought him in, a very vulnerable place, tells Mick the joke. And Mick just looks at him without any hesitation. He goes, not funny. And John is devastated by this. And he says, but I just had to realize there are people that when they're this popular and this famous, they just say things like, yeah, no, not funny. Because what they say happens. Now, see, that has absolutely nothing to do with where we're going, but you see where my mind goes, right? You connect to things within the scripture. Now, fortunately, today, we're actually gonna connect in the things that matter, Not the stones, though they're a great history. When Peter talks about stones, I just want you to know two basic things before we get into the text. The first is this. The Hebrew Bible, all that Peter has grown up on and all of Israel has lived through, talks regularly about a temple that is built for God. And they speak of the temple as it was, and they speak of one day a man will come, a son of David, 
and will rebuild and make a new temple that will last forever. The temple will be made of stones. So stones are spoken of again and again and again and again. And just one thing that goes along with this that's helpful to know going in is the Hebrew word for stone is one letter different than the Hebrew word for sun. There's a connectedness, if you will, in this. And that fits because the sonship and the idea of stones in a temple go together. So I just want you to remember that. Now we're going to get into the passage. Pete's writing to this group that's all scattered around in disarray and in dismay, and he's recharging and invigorating them on what matters. So we take it up here in chapter 2, verse 4. As you come to him, which, by the way, this will come back to in the next verse because it's the beginning and connected to a verb that comes later. I just want you to remember that. But what we want to start with is this. As you come to him, the living stone, the living stone. And then he speaks about him. He's rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. In other words, who this living stone is, who's Jesus, will have two different things going on, complete rejection and complete acceptance. Now, it's significant that we begin with this idea of the living stone. In case you don't know again, remember that stones themselves are connected to the temple. Now, the reason living stone is so important is because in the ancient world, in Greek culture, in this Hellenistic place that all these early followers are living, there are tons of temples to tons of gods. Every city you walk in has different temples. They have temples to the gods of medicine, temples to the gods of war, temples to the gods of fertility, temples to, to basically emperors, assuming they're gods. You think of something you could be for, there is a temple to a god. Now, when Peter walks around with other disciples, and one of the statements that the early church made again and again is, those temples are made of lifeless, dead stone. So when he says the living stone, he's saying there's something different about the God we follow. Now, I, I think this is important for us today because we live in a very pluralistic society. Hey, there's lots of ways to God. There's lots of different avenues. No one is no different than any other. That is exactly the culture of the ancient world. But there was a difference. Because what the church would say was these other temples were made of stone, not alive. In fact, in the ancient world, it was just accepted. You would accept any avenue to any God. And so when the church began to say Jesus is the way of salvation, the rest of the world actually called them atheists because it would be so limited as believe in only one God. But what Peter's making clear to us is there's a living stone and there are those stones that don't live. Now, I want you to consider this in your own lives because we build temples to lots of things, don't we, in our world? They're not traditional temples. We don't actually put a stone together and build one, but think about what we build our lives around that isn't living and can't change us. Do, do we build our lives around comfort? I mean, how many of us, we know it's a sunny day yesterday and we're thinking at whatever cost, I need to get outside and live this way. It is my only hope and refuge. Think of how we build stones around the idea that when my job goes well and my 401k grows and my power and prestige elevate, that's what I'll build my life around. We build it around our families. As long as my kids do well, as long as this goes well in my life, that'll be the stone that I build around. I don't know what, what your own stones are, but I know we all have them. And, and it was a little easier when Pete, Pete writes about this to the church because most of them are in oppression. 
So he's saying, guess what? In the midst of your oppression, there's a living stone that's better than anything. In our world, we have to say we've settled for a veneer of freedom to dead stones. I'm telling you, this is both invitation and challenge for us. It's inviting because Jesus is better than anything. It's challenge because sometimes it shakes up the things we put life into. It begins with a living stone. He'll go on, and I want to clarify this, and call Jesus the cornerstone. The very words we sang in this service speak of that. Now, to understand cornerstone, there's a simple way, which is just that within a building, the foundational stone is called a cornerstone. Everything's built around it. There's also an arch. It's another possibility where the cornerstone is in the middle and all of the arch works around it. Either way you look at it in a building, the cornerstone is the beginning, and everything's built around it. Now, that's a simple thought. Okay, Jesus is to be the center. But Jesus tells a story about this and about these passages through Scripture, which is what Peter's referencing now. Remember I said it was like Velcro. He's going back to the Psalms and to Isaiah, these prophecies about living stone, cornerstone. But let me tell you the story Jesus tells in Mark chapter 12. He's describing the kingdom, and he says this. The kingdom is like an owner, a man who owns a bunch of land, and he rents it out to people. And then he goes away. And as they have a harvest to reap back what they owe the owner, he sends one of his servants. The first servant comes to just get what's due them and they can live off the rest. And they beat this servant. Servant goes back beaten with nothing given back to the the emperor, the king. He then sends another servant and this one they beat even more. He sends a third servant and they kill that servant. And then Jesus goes on to say he keeps sending servants and sending servants. And they either beat them or kill them. They beat them or kill them. So finally, in the story Jesus tells, he says, finally, the emperor says, you know what? I have one son. I will send my son. Surely they will respect my heir. And as they send this heir, this son, to receive what's due him, it says they looked at the heir and they knew if they killed him, they'd have the inheritance. So they kill the son so they can keep for themselves what they weren't entitled to. And then Jesus cites this psalm that says, the stone the builders has rejected has become the cornerstone. What I want you to see in this are there are two responses to Jesus. One is one where you let him be the Lord and king of life and we surrender to him. The other is where we say, I want to be at the center of my life and I want what's there for me. And make no mistake, we often think as Christians people will reject us because of nuances of our belief system. That is not at all what's spoken of here. And we can get people to reject us for the wrong reasons, by the way. But where rejection happens to Jesus is flat out for who he is. That people don't want to be his, they want to be like him. Let me make it more personal. That we would rather be like him than be his. That's the challenge part. He's a living stone. He's a cornerstone, but a cornerstone can be responded to differently. And now Pete's Pete's gonna take this beginning of who he is and he's gonna now transition to us. And he's gonna say this about living stones. You also, like living stones, you also, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Now what he's telling us now is you and I can actually be part of this new way of living of Jesus. I mean, I want you to get the picture of this. We, we understand this. We've talked about this regularly. Jesus goes to be with the Father, and he gives us 
his spirit so that he can live in us. He's not building a physical temple. He's building up his people that we would embody his very presence. And he says it again. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. The one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. It's a beautiful thought and idea that for us, for all these believers around the world that are struggling with what's my place, what difference does it make, and everywhere they've been taught, the place of God is in this temple. It's in a physical structure. And now guess what they're finding out? The place of God is wherever I go. Do you know that when you leave, you didn't leave church, church leaves the building. Do you know that when you go to work on Monday, guess where the church is? I hope it's at work on Monday. That's the idea. You, you go to school, church is there at the school. You go help in a hospital, you serve in some way to help people that are sick and ill, church is there. You go work as an accountant in a business, church is there. Living stones go wherever you go and whatever you do. I want you to get the picture of this. It's a beautiful picture. I would say in some ways we know it, but in a lot of ways we miss it. Here he is, the living stone. He's the one we build around. And guess what? He's making us to be the same. And you know what? For those places where we're hopeless and struggling, he is reminding every one of us, guess where your hope is? It's in life in him built on the cornerstone. Now, where this runs into difficulty is when we build our lives around other things. In fact, Peter's gonna go on to give the contrast, which is already in scripture. He's just pulling it back out. Now to those of you who believe, the stone is precious. To those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. A stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. It's not meaning that God was out to get them, but they are not responding to the opportunity it is. And this is the challenge for us today. I, I don't think any of us would argue with the idea that Jesus is a living stone. I think we should love the fact that we're supposed to be living stones in him. But here's the challenge. Are there times we reject him and build our lives around some other stone? Do we build it around our comfort? Do we build it around our careers? Do we build it around our freedom and our recreation? Do we build it around our own future? Do we build it around protecting our family or our relationships? Make a list of whatever you want. Do we build it around people's affirmation? But what he's saying is when you build it around other things, you will stumble and you will fall. It will not provide what you want it to. It's just like it was in the first century. There are a lot of temples to a lot of gods and none of them are living. And so he's giving invitation and challenge. Here's the encouragement, here's the challenge. And I'll tell you, it's hard for me with us. If we were in an oppressive culture, it's really easy to talk about the living stone. Because like, guess what, we have hope in our hopelessness. But we are a very comfortable culture. And I think we as much need the challenge. Guess what? It might be that we're building our lives around dead stones. It might be that we're gonna stumble and fall because all the things we think are secure can go away like that. And they're not alive. Peter goes on. 
gives great hope in the midst of this. Remember, it's invitation, it's challenge, it's invitation again. You are a chosen people, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Do you know he loves you? He's with you, he's for you. Do you know he doesn't play favorites? Everyone's his favorite. I mean, I want you to understand that God cherishes you but it's not just so you can be with him. He goes on, why? That you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I love this. He's called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. We discover Jesus because we discover in our darkness and brokenness, he brings light and freedom and mercy and truth. That is good, isn't it? Do you know the very word for church, the word that's used in the Greek is, means called out ones. It doesn't mean you're simply called out, like get away from those other bad people. It's called out that you've discovered light and now it's to bring it back to the people that are struggling. Remember I said at the beginning of the passage, he spoke about as you come to him and then it connects to as you are living stones, you're being built up. Those two things together mean simply this, that we want people to discover who he is and them to become living stones built up. No local church is to make their emphasis, we've gotta grow to get bigger for us. But guess what Jesus wants? He wants his church to get bigger. He wants everybody that would even think of responding to get to become a living stone. And the church gets bigger as more and more people discover and follow him because the church is not a building. The church is you and you and you and you and you and me. We're the living stones. It's not a location. It's not a temple. It's the people of God. I love this. Now you are the people of God. Now you have received mercy. You had this horrible trajectory before and everything has changed. Light out of darkness. You see, what I want you to get today is that we're living stones. We're not going to the church. We're not members of a church. Like, that's the end of our trajectory. We are the people of God housing the presence of God. God lives in us. I mean, you think about it. God had all of Israel for all of its history making a temple so his presence would reside. And then he said, you know what? That's not the best place I should be. Guess where I should be? In every one of you. I mean, you ever looked at the mirror and thought, God chose this to be where he'd be housed? Sometimes I look and go, I'm not sure what he was thinking. But that's not true. What a beautiful thing. When Jesus came to free the world, he didn't just go, I have to reveal who I am. He said, I'm going to put my presence in you. As you're connected to me, you're going to change the world by how you live, surrendered and mine. And make no mistake, that's what this is all really about is surrender. Because at the end of the day, the way we're living stones is we say, I want to be yours. I want you to be at the center of my life, not these other little temples and way of living that'll be about me. We're living stones. And you want to know what it means? It means wherever we go and whatever we do, we're living stones. Whatever, wherever we go and whatever we do. Think about where you're going this afternoon. Guess where the church will be this afternoon? It's where you go. Tomorrow morning when you get up, many of you will go to work, Guess where the church is tomorrow? 
walking right into your office, walking right into the plant you work at, walking right into the hospital room you help with, walking right into the school you serve at, walking right into the accounting firm you, you entertain and engage in. Whatever it is where you go, that's where the church is. And whatever you do, Jesus wants you to be the living stones that help people discover who he is. Come on. Is that not amazing? I mean, what kills me is I think we've settled for comfort in these false stones that are dead of maybe if my life's a little easier, maybe if it's just a little more soft, maybe if it's a little more enjoyable and full of laughter, maybe if things just go well for me, maybe if I'm thought of well, maybe if my relationships never fail. None of those will ever bring you life. You will stumble and you will fall. But God promises us, wherever you go, whatever you do, I want you to be me. I want you to have my very presence in you. I made you to be the temple of me, that your living stone's connected to the full stone. And the idea, wherever we go and whatever we do, is we're building. We're building. Do you know that, that we're called to build? It's not like, well, I go to church so the pastor can reach people. I bring my friends hoping he'll say something that helps them. And then I'm going to head back to my boat this afternoon or... My kids have some activities tomorrow. You know, I've got other things. I don't know why I'm talking like this, but that's just the voice I got. Not even sure what happened with that. What a miss to not realize the living stone said, I got living for all you. You're 12, you're 15, you're a student and you're thinking maybe later, uh-uh, Spirit's living in you now. You're 80, thinking it's time to retire? Uh-uh. Spirit's living in you now. You're 40, and you're thinking, I'm just, I thought I'd live forever, and you're like, no. Guess what? Spirit's living in you now. You're 30, and you have little kids, and you just don't even know what's going on. You can't even stay awake. Spirit's still living in you now. You're broken. Your marriage is falling apart. You feel like there's no hope. Spirit's living in you now. You've gone through tragedy and struggle. Spirit is living in you now. The good, the bad, and the ugly. The Lord says, connect to me. Build your life around me. Stop living for dead stones. Wherever you go, whatever you do, I'm gonna build something through you that will change the world. I want you to just see, this is Paul, who's another leader in the church, writes this about us. He says, we are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, meaning they're the first ones that Jesus responded to. And you want to know where the core foundation is? Jesus himself, the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together. You're not in isolation, by the way. When you're a living stone, j just look around the room for a second. You're connected to these stones. We are better than the rolling stones. We're the living stones. Yeah. That's not funny, but it's awesome. I don't know what just happened there. In him, the whole building is joined together. It rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. You want to know how God wants to change the world? It's through us. Living Stones. You and I, we're living stones. Wherever we go, 
Whatever we do, we're building it. Wherever we go, whatever we do, it's an invitation. You feel broken, you feel lost, you don't think your life's built well, man, let's anchor into the cornerstone. You settled for stones that are not living in other ways and other things for your own life and thought Jesus was a nice sideshow, drop it. Let go. God, I don't want to rely on these things for my life. I want to trust you and let my life be built around you. Even begin to ask him, what are those areas that you've built your life around thinking that's what will bring you life and happiness? They're not bad things often, but they're things we have to surrender because we're living stones. Wherever we go, whatever we do, we're building this thing of who he is in the world around us. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for the way you came to be life for us, that you came to shake up the world to become the cornerstone and the living stone. I thank you that you call us in the same way to be stones built around you. Lord, I ask very simply in this that where we need to hear the invitation, we would hear it and respond joyfully. And in the same way, Lord, where we need to be challenged that we have built our lives around something other than you, help us to surrender. No more dead stones. No more dead temples. No more false things that we would not stumble and fall, but we'd live around you. I pray this in your holy name. Amen.